Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about corn tasseling, everything from fungicide to insecticide to plant nutrients. And you might say, well, wait a second, I just got my corn planted, or it's just out of the ground. Or like on our farm right now, our biggest corn is V3. Um, we're a long ways off from tasseling. Yes, I realize that. But it is important to be thinking about these things now. And let me tell you one of the big reasons why this year. Uh, a lot of fungicides are already sold out. Crop nutrients, you can't get those at the last minute this year. Even insecticide, we're a little bit concerned. Right now, there's an ample supply of insecticide. So I can't say there's any insecticide that I go, oh, I'm really scared that one's going to run out. But fungicides, yes. Nutrients, yes. And insecticide, it's possible. You never know. With a big bug run uh, this year, we might see a shortage on that too. Why are all these things happening too? You're, you're probably wondering. Well, a lot of it has to do with logistics. And I'm not talking about just literally your supplier running stuff out to you or your supplier receiving product in from manufacturers. What I'm talking about is logistics all the way to the companies that make the raw materials that go into the products that you would end up using. And there are shortages, there are logistical problems going all back through the channel. And so it has created some problems. So that's why it's important to be thinking about this now because it's really not that far away. With a lot of heat, there's going to be a lot of corn tasseling, at least in the United States, in a month to a month and a half. That's not that much time if you want to secure the right products or at least the products of your first choice and get those, get those at hopefully a decent price, get them on hand, line up whoever's going to do the spraying for you, or if you're going to do it yourself, whatever. So we just are always big believers in planning ahead, and that's exactly why we're going to talk about this topic today. Again, it's corn tasseling and just all the things that you might do, um, even right before tasseling, right around tasseling. So we're going to talk about that throughout the show today. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. All right, Brian, yesterday on the show, we had a question from a college student in Amsterdam about a, a garden project that they were working on that they wanted to be affordable and sustainable, and we're looking for some help. They sent a really complete soil test, which was great. That's a great first step, and got a response from Saeed. He said, got one more question for you, though. We, we hear you saying that we need some more magnesium. Just wondering, could we do that with compost? Is there a compost source you would know of? that would be high in magnesium, or would we need to look no. for commercial fertilizer? You're going to have to get commercial fertilizer, in my opinion. So you can check around, and maybe there's something, some compost that's high in magnesium, but in terms of some yeah, just commonly like your soil used source. Just ask for, a, ask for an analysis, right. just like you did here, a complete analysis on whatever compost or manure you would use. Right, but in terms of just normal compost out there, is there some that I can think of off the top of my head, super high in magnesium? No, but that's not to say that there couldn't possibly be that out there. So you can check that out. But I, I'm pretty sure you're going to have to go with commercial fertilizer. The other thing, and I'm, I'm glad this came back up again today, Darren, because yesterday we we were out of time at the end of the show, and I just wanted to, to make this comment. Everything 
is affordable and sustainable, or almost everything, is affordable and sustainable when we're talking a tiny little garden. And here's what I mean by that. I, I bring this up to farmers and to agronomists all the time, and I say, all right, you might be worried about the cost of something per acre, but if you only had to treat a tenth of an acre, would you care? Because even if it's $1,000 an acre, a tenth of an acre, it's 100 bucks. So it just doesn't amount to anything. So to me, sustainable means something. And I mean, if you look up the very definition, I'm going to assume it's going to tell you this. Sustainable means it can continue going for years and years. Okay, so can we keep going with that? Um, it's on a small scale. So the dollars don't add up. So you're never going to go bankrupt spending $2 at a time or whatever. Well, that might look like a lot on a per acre basis, but it's, but it's, it's, it's just nothing in total dollars when you're talking about a small garden. So the other thing is you have to look at the income potential off a small garden. If you're raising vegetable crops, that's whole different than me raising corn or soybeans or wheat, where we're selling it uh, in a, we're selling lots of bushels, but our price is really low. Whereas in a garden, if it's intensively managed, you can produce lots of dollars of vegetables or fruits in there, and your income on a per acre basis would be dramatically higher than what I'm dealing with uh, on on our farm in the Midwestern United States. So I'm just trying to say here, you got to put all these things into perspective. And so for us on the farm, we look at things on a per acre cost because we farm 3,200 acres. For you in that situation, I don't even worry about what's your per acre cost or any of that kind of stuff. All I care about is total dollars. So I look at my total dollars potential income. I look at my total dollars then for my budget on what I could spend. And you're going to be able to spend a lot on a per acre basis, but it just doesn't amount to a whole lot in that small garden. All right. Thanks for the question. Really appreciate that. Uh, got this one from PWW, who said, you guys talk about the cost of farming occasionally on your Ag PhD TV show. Appreciate that. Uh, I feel like land managers might not want people to watch those videos when they see what the actual costs are, but I think it's good to see them. Uh, thanks for the feedback. You know, we do get a lot of feedback whenever we talk about the costs of farming because there's, well, just like right now, when we see corn prices high, all of a sudden everybody that I know says, oh, my goodness, you guys are going to make so much money on your farm this year. And my first response is, you know what? I'm really happy the corn price is up, but do you know how much equipment's gone up? Do you do you know how much fertilizer's gone up? Do you know that I can't find some of the some of my favorite crop protection products well, right now? Yeah, but then the other side is, let's look at the last few years where it's been rotten on the farm. I mean, it was really hard to make it. Once you got past about 2013, 2014, crop prices went down, all the input costs went up. And it was a real challenge. There were a lot of farmers in financial trouble in our area. So I'm thankful commodity prices have gone up. So hopefully that heals a lot of people up. Be talking about some considerations you should have heading towards corn tasseling on today's Ag PhD radio show. Weed control without the BS. That's more time to apply without wasting time. That's flexible tank mixing that doesn't bend the truth. That's near zero volatility with unmovable principles. With the Enlist weed control system, there is no sacrificing. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. 
enlist.com. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite Genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. This is Quick Dick McDick from Tufnell asking you, have you heard of Mandaco Land Rollers? They're the ones with the green paint, and I'm not talking about the green paint that requires a technician and a laptop to fix. I'm talking about the Mandaco green paint that doesn't need fixing because it's built tough. We're talking 5 8 thick, 42-inch diameter drums, people, and I've learned never to talk about size unless you can back it up when a measuring tape gets pulled out. So keep your seed and rocks in the ground where they belong and get yourself a roller at mandaco.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, Brian mentioned our biggest corn's at V3 right now on our farm. And I realize in some parts of the country, the corn is a lot farther along than it is here. And I even talked to somebody this morning who was going to be replanting some corn and just putting seed in the ground, hopefully in the next couple of days. So we've got corn all over the place, but we do want to focus on what is your game plan throughout this season? And I would say this year, as much as any time I can remember, there's a lot of talk about, wow, I'm definitely going to be doing X, Y, and Z when we get towards corn tasseling. So we wanted to talk about corn tasseling today, whether it's fungicide, insecticide, nutrients, whatever. If you've got ideas of what you're doing on your farm, we'd love to hear from you at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or if you want to email us, you can certainly email as well, radio at agphd.com. Let's head to the phone lines here. We've got our friend Wally West with Syngenta on right now. Wally, how are you doing today? Hey, Darren. I'm doing quite well. How are you? Well, pretty good. We're going to mix it up with you. We're going to talk corn tasseling right. today, and I bet in your region a lot of growers are talking about maybe a fungicide in that first pass with their herbicides, but this will be just a little bit different. Yeah, yes. That's, well, it's certainly good, certainly valuable to plan ahead. I, I like where you're I like where you're heading because, well, uh, you know, 30, 60, 90 days out is pretty important. It, it comes really quick. And I know this year with some of the supply shortages out there, we're already seeing a run on some of the fungicide products. And, and certainly you've got some fungicides a lot of growers are talking about. And when we think about three mode of action products, that's probably where we want to go here when we get to corn tasseling. So talk to us about just setting up your whole year plan because if you're going to spray a fungicide yeah. early and you're going to spray a fungicide late, uh, what are some things we should keep in mind? Yeah, excellent. A um, couple of thoughts here. I'll back up one step. When we talk about stresses and spe- specifically stresses to corn, they kind of fall into two categories, abiotic stresses and biotic stresses. Uh, the abiotic stresses are things like the environment, too hot, too cold, too wet, too dry, compacted soils, uh, wet soils. Those 
types of stresses are abiotic stresses. Biotic stresses are typically pathogens. In this case, we're talking about diseases. You know, it's diseases like tar spot that comes in late, northern corn leaf blight, and uh, gray leaf spot. So typically, the kind of that V5 timing, when you think about the stage of a corn plant is in at V5, it's setting the ear size, the number of rows around, even the kernel length or the cob length to some, some extent. So it's important to keep that that plant as healthy and happy as we can at that V5 to V7 growth stage. That's the kind of address. There's not a lot of biotic stresses at that time, but there are abiotic stresses, and particularly in the western corn belt is that hot, dry. So application of a product like Trivapro at that V5 timing, uh, Miravis Neo at that V5 timing, those products have demonstrated advantages to both abiotic and biotic stresses. So that's kind of step one. That's timing one. Then moving into the R1, the VTR1 timing, that's a little bit more directed at uh, the, the, the priority becomes the biotic stresses, the disease control, the keeping the plant alive longer. That's the, that's the key to success. Um, you mentioned, or I mentioned Trivapro and Miravis Neo. They do have three components in them. Two of those components are preventative. They need to be on before the disease establishes. And then there's one component that is curative. It will it will help eliminate disease that may have established at a VTR1 timing. Uh, that's why those products are, are uh, really leading the market or their, their uptake, their use has greatly increased the last few years because they have both preventative and curative components that are very good at both dealing with the biotic stresses, the disease control, and also the, the abiotic stresses, keeping that plant alive longer so we get more yield. And, you know, it would be simple, Wally, if all we were doing is putting a fungicide on, but it seems like every pass that we're talking fungicide, I hear a grower saying, okay, so what about adding a foliar fertilizer with it? What about adding an insecticide with it? On You know, in the early applications, a lot of times it's, uh, I'm going to put it out with my herbicide. So talk to us about this tasseling time. I know there's a lot of concern around surfactants, especially leading up to tassel. Uh, talk us through with that and, and with just the safety of adding some other ingredients. I was just thinking before before Janelle called before we got on the call here that I wonder how many times uh, you and I and Brian have said uh, read and follow the label directions in our careers. <laughs> Millions. <laughs> Certainly an important one when we get into this area about tag mixing. So I'd like to have a nickel for every time we've said that we'd be we'd be in good shape. But anyway, be that as it may, um, that's that's the guide. You know, the label, the technical recommendations that companies like Syngenta put out that, that Hefty's put out. Those are. Those are excellent guides on, on what to do. It's a, there's a myriad of opportunities. Um, specific to adjuvants, yes, very, very good question. There are adjuvants that are approved for the kind of that pre-tassel timing. Uh, they don't contain an ingredient that we know is harmful to the development of the, of the year called the NPE. Uh, there are adjuvants that are NPE-free. They are labeled for applications and I would, would refer uh, to, the, to the adjuvant suppliers on that one. Uh, we know that a straight application, a, a standalone application of Trivapro and Miravis Neo is, is safe, to, safe to corn at pre-tassel. Um, I'm still a big fan of that R1, that DTR1 timing. If you think about this, the returns as, as a bit of a bell curve, that's really at the top of the bell curve when it comes to corn on delivering yields for that, that later timing, that VT. BT to R1 uh, tassel emergence timing. 
Yeah, we want to. We definitely want to help our plants out. We don't want to hurt anything. And and like you mentioned, some of the adjuvants you you definitely don't want to put out at the wrong time. Yeah. Talking with Wally West here with Syngenta, who probably does have a nickel for every time he's advised <laughs> using the label because that's always good advice. Hey, Wally, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on here. Good luck here the rest of the season. Eric. Thank you. Take care. You bet. Got Jeremy on with us right now over in Minnesota with a couple of issues here going on in soybeans. Jeremy, how are you? Oh, pretty good. How about you guys? You know, not too bad. I don't like to hear anything hurting stand, especially early like this year. Uh, what what have you got going on in your beans? Um, well, I planted them two weeks ago, 140,000 population. Um, I put a quart of manganese and a quart of micro-EX in furrow with four and a half gallons of water for five gallons total. Um, and I left some check strips in the field, you know, and then I should have did it the other way because I got more beans that hurt than not. Um, but it seems like, you know, the, the definitely the drier parts of the field are the ones that hurt the most. Um, looking at the stand, it looks like it's anywhere from 50 to 90,000, whereas it's probably, you know, a good 125,000 where I shut the fertilizer off. Um, and then, I mean, there's, you know, the beans that, it's not like I didn't kill them all off, but, I mean, even the ones that did come up, it's, I'm just, I did send an email with some pictures. I don't know if you got them or not, but, I mean, the the ones that did come up, I mean, it's, there's a root down there, but there's not a lot of root hairs even coming up, coming off them yet. So, I'm just wondering if I should go back and drill some more in or something you guys ever seen before or what. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, we have seen issues with fertilizer sometimes, and you you hit on the key point. It's worse where it's drier. Yeah. Fertilizer, by very definition, is salt, and when there's salt in that furrow, a lot of times it's no big deal. If you've got plenty of rainfall, then you don't even notice anything, and we move on. But (laughs) this year has been, unfortunately, exceptionally dry in a lot of areas. I've been uh, joking around all spring with people, you know, that call in, and they're talking about moisture, and I go, look, we've had, including the snow, a grand total of nine inches of precip in almost 11 months now. (laughs) that's not very much so we got really dry soil right now and that's why you're seeing the issue that that you are now i will say too when you planted two weeks ago so you're looking at roughly let's call it around the 10th of may um if you compare 10th of may planting versus today planting the 10th of may will yield yield a little more but it's not like it's dramatically more or anything but when i look at 90,000 stand there's no possible chance i'm ever replanting that and most of the time if if it's fairly even exactly that's yep that's where i was gonna 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 finish up uh but most of the time um i'll i'll let that go at 90,000 and it works out okay because sometimes, quite frankly, even 140,000 seeds per acre like you planted, uh, you have poor germination for whatever reason. And so we've looked at plenty of these over the years. And a lot of times it's 80, 90,000. As long as we're above that, we're okay. Uh, but I would just say if you want to throw in some more seed into areas, we I just went through this with a guy this morning. Uh, he's got, uh, his is much worse than yours, and his was planted way too deep. He was using a drill and got some seed literally at four inches deep. <laughs> and so anyway, it was terrible. But he's going to go out there and, and spot some more beans in. So we can talk more about this after this break if you want. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. When it comes to trusted herbicide formulations, you know New Farm, and you certainly know New Farm exclusive Weedmaster. For decades, Weedmaster has been the go-to herbicide for consistent burndown weed control in a huge variety of crops, and in range and pasture management too. Don't let yield-robbing weeds stand in the way of your progress or profits. New Farm and Weedmaster Herbicide, here to help. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today taking your calls and questions throughout the show and talking a little about corn tasseling um, and some other treatment timings in corn. So right before the break we were talking with Jeremy from over in Minnesota and here's what, what happened just in a nutshell if you didn't hear that. Uh, Jeremy had put on some fertilizer in furrow in his soybeans, a quart of manganese and a quart of a micronutrient blend. 
along with four and a half gallons of water. Now, the water thing is something we talk about all the time here on the show to help safen any fertilizer. So first of all, I guess I'd just say let's be thankful that at least that got done. But what Jeremy is seeing is a reduced stand where he was getting about 125,000 where he had no fertilizer. I mean, final stand. He's getting in the range of 50 to 90,000 where he does have the fertilizer. And he did say it's worse in the dry areas of the field. Uh, So anyway, Jeremy, I would just say this. Uh, Our research lead, Glenn, was out this morning with a farmer who had these uh, these beans that got planted super deep, and it's spotty. So he's got a similar thing to what you're talking about, only far worse in some spots where it's, I mean, like really bad. And then some spots it doesn't look too bad. He's got the 90,000 plus. And so what Glenn told him is the same advice that I would give you if you wanted to. Um, Chances are you've got two different uh, settings on your planter for, or you're able to do this for a, a different seeding rate. So if you can do a different seeding rate, when you get to those areas that look bad, I would maybe interseed uh, a little bit in there, or maybe just go to those areas. Otherwise, Glenn just told this farmer where he was at, let's say, 70,000, and then he was at maybe 20,000. He's like, okay, put a few seeds on where you're 70, and you know, put lots of seeds on where you're 20 or something like that. So, But in your case, yeah, if you've got a bunch of areas that are 90, I wouldn't even worry about those. Those are probably going to turn out just fine. Uh, it's okay. just those areas where you're down into that 50, 60 range. Um, you know... Even that, there are some guys that are going to tell you, you know what, I think you're probably going to be fine. But if it was me, I would I would want to go intercede a little bit in there. The big thing, like Darren mentioned earlier, is where it gets spotty. So what, what we're really looking for isn't necessarily, okay, what's my total planting uh, final stand on a per acre basis? It's what are we down to in 100 square feet or something like that? You know what I mean? So if there are some areas where you go, whoa, there's almost nothing growing there, throw a bunch of seeds in there. And if it looks good in other spots, uh, then you're, you're, you're fine. The great thing with soybeans is it's totally unlike corn. And having some beans come a little bit later doesn't really seem to hurt or anything like that. I mean, if you planted corn interspersed with other corn that's already grown, all you're doing is seeding a bunch of weeds. (laughs) But with soybeans, you can go interseed. We've done this many times and it actually does turn out fine. So that's probably what I would look at. I would also say, you know, we did have a lot of cold weather until just the last five days or so. Hopefully there are a few more plants that are going to be popping up. So I don't know how many plants got killed versus how many are going to pop up or whatever. Uh, But when you look at the stunting, because I think that's one of the things that you were kind of alluding to is, hey, even the plants that did come up, they look a little bit stunted compared to where there was no fertilizer. That doesn't necessarily always mean yield loss. I know it looks bad in the beginning, but it might end up actually being okay. So you just kind of have to see how that that plays out a little bit and see how the yield is. And you've got your check strips out there, so you'll be able to find out how you're doing. Um, One last thing I guess I'll I'll throw out. We used to do a lot of work with Tom Johnson, TJ Micromix, and he, he's uh, one of the nation's leading experts with microbiology. 
in addition to plant nutrients. And he would often tell Darren and me, look, on soybeans, he goes, I actually prefer when you keep the micros away from the seed. Now you can do it, but there's just some level of risk. And so we've done it for many years on our farm where we use a low rate in furrow, trying to keep it off the seed. We blend it off with water, almost exactly like what you're doing. And we've gotten by fine, but there is some degree of risk there. Right. Yep. Yeah, like I said, the, the the ones that were coming up, I mean, it's just basically a tap but with not a whole lot of root hairs on it, and I just wasn't concerned, sure if they were going to mount anything or if that's why I should be, you know, putting out another 100000 or more or less. Or no, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not that worried that those are going to completely die or anything. Once they, they get growing, um, it, it's probably going to end up being just fine. But what I am worried about is where you've got a really thin stand right now. You're down to, like I was saying, 80 or 90. I'm perfectly fine leaving. It's probably going to be okay. But you're down into that 50, 60 or less range. That's where I'd throw a few more seeds in. Yeah, and like I said, it's just so spotty. I wasn't sure, you know, just drive around the field, basically, yep. or if it hurts anything driving on the beans. or It's not a big deal at this stage. Nope, it's not a right. big deal. So that's literally okay. exactly what we have done at different times when we've had crusting or i mean in when you farm as many years as we have now farmed sooner or later something goes wrong there's hail there's wind there's bugs there's you name it so we've tried almost everything to try and and yeah i will say interceding a little bit absolutely helps that's definitely what i would do you're going to get better weed control too that way when you get more seeds out there and you'll get a little bit more yield right okay all right Okay, well, that's what I'll give a try then. So, all right. Um, so. Thanks for the call. Right. Yep, good all luck. Right, thanks. Appreciate it. Yep. Bye. Jump back into this. Oh, there you go, Brian. Well, that, that, that was me. <laughs> just knocked my water bottle over. Just, uh, <laughs> you're just so excited to talk about corn tasseling again here. And we got Brandon Shraggy on with us right now with FMC to talk a little bit too. Brandon, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are y'all doing? Good. Okay. First of all, I want to start with this. A big, big sure. push this year on Zyway fungicide at planting time. And a lot of growers really excited about this. We're getting feedback from growers that are liking their stands out there. And we're also hearing, hey, how long is this disease protection really going to last? So everybody's excited to see what's going to happen. What's been your experience so far? And what are you looking forward to this year with Zyway? Sure. So over the past couple of years, we've seen season-long disease protection. And so when we go out and we're telling folks about that, we 100% mean it. The thing that we're not um, encouraging, though, is for folks to get lax with their scouting. And I'm sure you would condone that as well. So, you know, if we have an early onset of southern rust, depending on what sort of year we have, um, or what our disease spectrum is, we still need to be out there monitoring it. Now, our northern corn leaf blights, southern corn leaf blights, smut species, common rust, gray leaf spot, you know, our activity on that is phenomenal, but that doesn't replace our um, requirement to still be diligent with looking at those fields. And so there, there leaves opportunity there to follow up with fo- uh, follow-up applications, or if we feel like we have a good, strong hybrid and we got, you know, those select diseases under control, um, then we should be good to go. But FMC still has a very aggressive foliar platform for those folks who maybe didn't use Zyway or are making um, different application styles, or maybe they're very used to making foliar insecticide applications and they want to make sure that Lucento or their Top Guard EQ gets put on as well. There's a lot of room for flexibility. The key is to keep that agronomic uh, scouting ongoing. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And you know what? Zyway is a really nice product. It's not perfect. I mean, there's nothing out there that's perfect. And oh yeah, I do something. I'm never, ever going to have a problem. You're right. You got to keep scouting. And Southern Rust is really a weak spot for Zyway, correct? It's not the greatest on that. So you may, if you're in a Southern Rust area, if you know this is one of those years, Southern Rust is coming through your area, wherever you are, and that's a good time to follow up with something like Lucento at, at tasseling time. So talk to us about Lucento. It's one that you guys don't spend the billions of dollars on advertising. So talk to us about that product a little bit and why it's different. Sure. So, but, you know, FMC doesn't have the, we're not near as the size as some of the other fungicide companies. And so we're not often thought of when we first think of a corn fungicide, but um, what our chemistry has allowed us to do is to really penetrate into that space. And a lot of positive feedback is coming in. So essentially what makes Lucento different from all the other triazole containing components is that it also has flutriophol. And this has been well documented as being one of the longer lasting and most systemic um, triazoles available. And so you pair that with a new generation SDHI, what we get is a preventative and curative product that does pick up the southern rust, as well as all of our soil-borne pathogens like gray leaf spot. Um, and the yield return on this product has been phenomenal. The price point is very effective for both corn, soybean, wheat, sugar beet growers. Um, and a low use rate means less volume to have to mess with. So at five fluid ounces uh, put on it, you know, that tassel time vt r r1 or earlier or later depending on what we're going after um, and we see really good activity yeah that's um, a big that's a big deal and i love that low use rate as well uh, we're talking with brandon Shragi here with fmc uh, brandon uh, we'll talk more about that product after this introducing the next generation of weed control in wheat wide ar match herbicide uh i'm sorry is this a typo i mean there's an ar in the middle of wide match Mm-hmm, that's the name. It's called Wide R Match Herbicide. Oh, my bad. From the top. <clears throat> Introducing Wide R Match from Corteva AgriScience. It's not a typo. It's an upgrade. The AR stands for RLX Active for improved control of the toughest broadleaf weeds and wheat. Talk with your retailer to learn more. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. And we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. 
If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at AgPhD we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an AgPhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Pentair Hypro 3D nozzles are your premier choice for fungicide applications. Syngenta fungicide application field trials have shown Hypro 3D nozzles provide a yield advantage of up to 10% over other nozzles, maximizing the return on your fungicide investment. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases the seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. Talking about corn tasseling time considerations on today's Ag PhD radio show. And just before the break, we were talking with Brandon Shragi with FMC. Had to cut him off. We were running out of time there in that segment. Sorry about that, Brandon. I wanted to hear just a little bit. You were talking about uh, Lucento. And one of the things that I thought was interesting, you were talking about the flutriophile component and that it's not only long-lasting but systemic and you're getting more movement through the plant. That seems to be something pretty unique for fungicides. It is unique. When you think of your historic strobularins or a lot of other chemistry you know, you're going to get about two to three weeks of residual out of that. And, you know, flutriophile is not necessarily a new chemistry, but what it is, you know, it's been rather underdeveloped um, over the past 10, 15, 20 years. And so when FMC was able to acquire this, we really started looking at it. Hey, you know, there's a number of products out there that we think are being applied incorrectly. What's this, what's something we can do with this um, that is actually very effective. And that's where all these different concepts come from. You know, we, we, we realized how great it, the value it brings as a foliar fungicide in multiple crop segments. We recognize that it is very applicable as a soil applied chemistry. Um, and so in using this with various tank mix partners and other premixes, um, we're seeing a lot of utility that's proven to have a significant ROI, um, especially in corn production. Well, I think that return on investment is such a big deal. And I, I get it. The market prices are a little higher than they've been right now or a lot higher than they've been. So we hear many farmers say, man, I got to pump some more money into this crop. You still need to look at what the return on investment is with the things that you're doing. And like you mentioned, hey, this one isn't super expensive either. So it's not like there's this huge premium cost to try something different and something new that potentially has a little better activity. So it's exciting. It's kind of fun talking about different products and and Lucento's one I agree with you that probably needs to be talked about a little bit more well exactly and it all boils down to making sure that uh, you know the growers making money I mean if that's not a profitable endeavor then obviously we're not making money so it really does go hand in hand making sure that we're getting the right chemistry on the right acre for the right target pest um, to get the right ROI and that's what we strive to do talking with Brandon Shraggy here with FMC Brandon thank you so much really appreciate having you on I'm sure we'll be talking again soon Thank you. Sounds good. All right. When we talk corn tassel applications or even right before tasseling, uh, there are a lot of farmers who are spraying things right before tasseling. Uh, just kind of in that general time span. So we're talking midsummer, at least in our area of the United States. This is a really important timing if you've got weeds, insects, or especially diseases. So on the weed side of things, um, really, if you see weeds late, 
and this is the reason why I wanted to bring this up. I don't want you to get too worried about it because what we found is, and there, there's all kind, there's all kinds of, there have been all kinds of studies out there about this, that late season weeds don't really hurt yield. All it is is, hey, if those weeds go to seed, you got a bigger weed seed bank. So we rarely, if ever, will tell somebody. Um, yeah, it's a good idea to go spray a weed late in the season. So I'm not too worried about that. Now, if you want to go after brown silk and do some 2,4-D or something, you certainly can with drop nozzles. I'm just not a real big fan. I'd let the weeds go. But when we start talking fungicides, that's the that's the whole trick here is do we have enough disease pressure that it's going to pay? Because this is not going to be a super cheap application. Um, it's going to cost you some money to run out there with the fungicide and for the application cost. So you got to make that determination. What we found in the past is Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, states where there is more gray leaf spot and more northern corn leaf blight and a lot more humidity and rainfall. A lot of times these fungicide treatments do pay right around tasseling. Now, if you're going to do it right before tasseling, we would encourage you leave the spray adjuvant out. Otherwise, you might have arrested ear syndrome. But as long as you leave the spray adjuvant out, we really haven't seen any problems. In my region of the country, the Western Corn Belt, we farm in South Dakota, we have only found that this fungicide app, that fungicide applications around tasseling have paid twice for us in 10 years. So we continue to trial it and, and try to figure out, okay, how do we make this better? How do we fine-tune the whole program? Obviously, it helps when corn is $5 instead of when corn is two fifty or something like that. But what we're looking at here is rainfall. If we don't get a fair amount of rainfall, then we just haven't found that the fungicide on corn pays that well. Now, it does seem to pay pretty well in soybeans in part because we got, uh, well, I'll just say we have a lot of humidity here. In fact, the last three years, we have been more humid in July and August than Miami, Florida. It's unbelievable, but we have. So the humidity has been great, but we just haven't had a lot of rainfall most years. But like 2018 and 2019, those are the two years that fungicide absolutely paid because there was a lot of moisture. We had tight, good canopies and there was a lot of disease pressure. So I don't know if you're going to have it or you're not. I would encourage you, if you're out spraying, use a multiple mode of action product, whether it's two modes or three modes, and that that's going to make a lot of difference for preventing disease resistance. On the insecticide front, just scout. It's not that difficult. If you're already going to go out spraying fungicide, it costs in the range of 2 to $5 to add an insecticide. So you already have that cost of application spent. You're already going out there. Just scout. If you're finding some harmful insects out there, it only takes a few of them to justify a treatment. And we could be talking everything from corn leaf aphids to maybe you've got stink bugs, maybe it's grasshoppers. I mean, there are a number of different insects that could be out there. So at least go through and scout your field before you have it sprayed with fungicide. Then fertility. What we're usually talking about fairly late in the year is nitrogen, sulfur, boron. Everybody knows about nitrogen. Uh, sulfur kind of goes hand in hand with that because both of those are leachable. And you need a fair amount of them. I mean, you know how much you need for actual nitrogen. But for sulfur, too, I mean, you might need 25 to 50 pounds in your crop. It's a lot. So generally speaking, we'll tell people, look, if you're going to apply some nitrogen, put some sulfur out there, too. Now, I'm not saying you have to do a 
crazy amount or anything like that, but just a little extra, especially if you feel like you have good yield potential in certain fields, that can really pay. And then the one micronutrient we typically talk about fairly late in the season is boron. Uh, and this is something we've talked about for probably 20, 25 years, that boron is more important in the plant around flowering. So I don't care what crop it is, it's more around the flowering timing. Well, for corn, we're usually talking around the tasseling timing. Boron is very needed. Oh, I should mention too, if you look at the nutrient use charts that are out there, it will show you that, you know what, from tasseling on, your crop actually still does need a lot of nitrogen and sulfur. So, I mean, the boron, it's... It, it's a tiny little bit. I mean, grand total, your your crop doesn't need a whole lot of boron, but get a little bit out there around that tassel timing. But I mean, it's pounds and lots of pounds for nitrogen and sulfur in total that that crop's going to need after that point. So this is just a supplement to go above and beyond what you already have in that soil. I'll say too, we're big believers in pre-side dress nitrate testing. So if you just go out there and pull a few sample, pull a few soil samples across your cornfields and find out, hey, what do I actually have in my soil? Before you go do your side dress and then before you do your tassel applications, maybe you have all kinds of nitrogen and sulfur that's already out there. If so, you don't need to spend the money. But if you're worried about this, then yeah, a little bit of nitrogen, a little bit of sulfur, and maybe some boron. Just keep the rates relatively low with safer products if you're going to be mixing with fungicide. Um, otherwise, if it's just a totally separate application, that's a little bit different. Uh, we always will say, hey, if you're putting lots of pounds of fertilizer on, you got to have lots of gallons of water to go with it. So let's say you have a pivot and you can run that across. I have no issue with you running nitrogen, sulfur, and boron out there when it's together with your irrigation water. So anyway, in summary here, I'll just tell you these tassel applications can be very important. They're going to be more important if you need that fungicide and you're already going to be out there making a trip. When you have ample rainfall and, and varieties that are a little more susceptible to some of the worst diseases, let's say it's gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, southern rust, there are a lot of different diseases out there that can absolutely negatively impact crops. All right, so we've talked through tassel applications or, or applications around tasseling timing. Right after this break, we're going to get back to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag. If you've got a question for us, you can give us a call here, 844-44-AG-PHD, or email us, radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. 
If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. <sighs> Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And we are right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time now, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us radio at agphd.com. Uh, I just got an email in uh, and it says, I was wondering about planting soybeans before or after I spray. I'm putting down Zidua Pro Metribuzin Roundup. My bad weeds are resistant mare's tail, ragweed, water hemp. That's why we like this product. Wasn't sure if we should plant first with the drill or planter, if that would help the sharpen in there since it's a contact killer. I know Roundup likes healthy plants since it goes systemic but works fine on what It'll kill in that mix regardless. So I prefer to spray after planting uh, and not work in my chemicals. All right. I know you would prefer to spray after planting. I'm going to prefer that you spray I before. Just, and here's the reason why. I just heard from an agronomist in southern Minnesota today, and he said wherever we tilled in the prees this year with low moisture, it worked. We didn't get enough rainfall to get our stuff that's, laid on top of the ground to work this year. Okay, that's a whole different thing than what we're talking about here. What he's talking about is a no-till situation, so not tillage. He's talking about incorporating it or working it in with the planter, and that's all. that was always my fear, too. So we do a lot of strip-till, we've done a lot of no-till, and I've worried about kicking it out of the row. So to Darren's point, if, it, if this was going to be in conventional tillage, yes, we love incorporation in dry years because you get the herbicide down in the ground, then it's where the moisture is, it's got a much better chance to work. So that's one of the ways um, you can hopefully get better 
response out of a herbicide in a drought year. But anyway, with this no-till type application, um, I'll just say a lot of times we like doing burn down after we plant the soybeans. And the reason why is because we plant early. So when we plant our soybeans in April, which is not real common for our area, most soybeans go in uh, around the middle of May in our area on average. Okay. So when we plant in April, then it's going to be two weeks before those beans come out of the ground. So we literally have two weeks to get the application made. The problem now with planting is the beans are probably going to be up in three days. So if they're up in three days, that means you got to spray within two days. So that means tomorrow or the next day, you've got to go spray. Well, between (laughs) today, tomorrow, and the next day, um, there's still going to be dirt on those plants, most likely. The dirt will not have fallen off, won't have washed off, won't have blown off. And so your herbicide performance is not going to be quite as good. Plus, you damage the plants uh, going through with the planter. You've hit them. You've cut some of them. They're just they're slightly damaged. And so they're not going to take in herbicide as well. They're not going to move herbicide through the plant as well. You're just not going to be quite as happy with it because you have to spray like tomorrow or the next day. So if you were planting early and you could wait a while to spray, then that's fine. And then I probably would wait. But in this case, I wouldn't. I would spray immediately. The other thing you always want to be looking at is the weather forecast. So just for example, right here today, um, it's beautiful. It's 80 degrees. Tomorrow, the high is 70. The next day, the high is 60. The next day, the high is 58. (laughs) Okay. Do we have good success spraying Sharpen or Roundup or any of these herbicides when it's 58 or 60 degrees for a high? No, we don't. So that's the other thing that I'm looking at always when I'm deciding, hey, do I want to spray before planting or after planting? I want to try to hit that good weather timing so I get better performance. So no, I I totally understand how you would like to spray after planting, but my advice is spray it before planting and you'll have better results. Oh, by the way, let me just make this quick comment. Zidua Pro for uh, for any of our listeners who don't know what that is, that's Zidua, which is a group 15 similar to like Dual um, for or Outlook, for example. It's got Pursuit in there, um, and then it's got Sharpen. So the reason why we don't really ever talk about Zidua Pro here on the show is I like my group 15s post-emerge. You can do it pre, and it's fine using a Zidua. I don't have any issue with that. But there's a lot of pursuit in there, so so much so that you could possibly have a carryover issue the following year, depending on how your soil pH is. Um, and the other concern is pursuit isn't going to kill ALS-resistant weeds. So he mentioned specifically mare's tail and ragweed and water hemp. All three of those have been found to be ALS resistant. So I'm just saying putting the pursuit out there doesn't help you hardly at all on any of those three weeds. And then sharpen, you can only run a low rate in beans. So that Zidua Pro, even at the full rate, will only give you one ounce of sharpen. That'll give you one to two weeks worth of residual. That's it. So the reason why we use authority or valor instead of sharpen is so we can use a higher rate and then we can have much longer residual. So that if it's me, then I'm switching what I'm doing. But I mean, if you want to use the Zidua Pro and if you like it together with the Metribuzin and Roundup, you can certainly do that. It's labeled, it's fine, there's no problem. But my advice is do it before you plant in this situation. 
All right, thanks for the question. Uh, I got this picture sent in from Brandon in Ohio. He said, we've never had insect problems this early in May, but I'm wondering if you think this looks like the work of bean leaf beetles. And he sent some pictures of little soybean plants with holes in the leaves. He said, should I be concerned? I haven't seen any of the bugs out there. These beans are planted in early May, virgin ground that borders a field in a corn-soybean rotation. Sure looks like it could be. Yeah, but the problem is when you don't see the actual insect, you don't know. So now we're guessing. With bean leaf beetles, where you're, when you're typically going to see them is very late in the evening or real early in the morning. Now, the challenge at this time of year is um, we have a lot of hours of sunlight in the northern part of the United States, or let's say you're in southern Canada or something. It's lots of hours of sunlight. So if you want to see bean leaf beetles, that means you're getting up super early in the morning or staying up real late in, in the evening. Uh, but you want to find the bug before you just say, well, I, it looks like it's bean leaf beetles. Well, yeah, but all it is is feeding on leaves. So theoretically, it could be a number of different pests. Uh, my I, I'm with you. It's probably very likely that it's bean leaf beetles. Uh, we've had we had a cold early May, like where we farm cold early May. So a lot of times that means we don't see many insects till a little bit later, but you just never know. Yep. I know we've talked to some entomologists that have said all the frost uh, episodes that we had late into this spring really did a number on some of the overwintering bean leaf beetles. They're expecting less bean leaf beetles this year, but doesn't mean that there will be none. All right. Had a question from... Arsian, and he asked, could you guide me about the role of boron in sugarcane and also the timing and quantity of boron applications? Well, first first of all, boron is an important micronutrient for all crops, helps in the movement and metabolism of sugars in the plant, which obviously you're, you're raising a crop trying to produce more sugar. It's involved in enzymes, hormones, lignin formation of cell walls. It's a big deal. Uh, our heavy soils here, we're, we're trying to see boron in the one to even three parts per million on our soil tests. So that may be a goal for you, depending on what soil you've got. Uh, just looking at some of the sugarcane production in the United States, like down in Louisiana, for example, Louisiana State did a study. They put on a pound to a pound and a half of boron soil applied. They saw 20 more pounds of sugar per ton. Now, obviously, this varies depending on how much boron you've got out there. Right. So if you've got a ton of boron in your soil, well, are you going to gain I don't more think he literally meant a ton of, of boron. But anyway, yes, I, I agree with that 100%, Darren. We don't, we don't see a soil test. And, you know, it's kind of like the last question that we just had. Hey, should I spray before or after planting? You know what? Try both. And same thing here. Try some different rates. Try some different timings. See what you see on your farm and do some experiments for, let's say, the next three years. And then you're going to find out pretty fast, hey, do I, do I need this? Do I not? Now, if you want a more educated guess, then what it comes back to is test your soil. And then you also could test plant tissue as well. All right. Uh, I got a, got a little bit of feedback here on uh, no-till. Uh, this one from DT who says the the downside of no-till can be eliminated by just continuing no-till for more years. And 
uh, applying some foliar fertilizer to perk your crop up if it starts slow. And Keith said, the real downside for me with no-till is that I'm using a lot more herbicide than I was. I used to do plowing, and obviously there's some downsides with that. But the one good side was I wiped out a lot of the bugs and a lot of the weeds without having to use pesticides. So, yeah, there's a lot of pros and cons with almost every decision we make in farming for sure. Yeah, and we talk about – so here, here's the thing. I don't really care if you do no-till, you do strip-till, you do conventional till. There are different ways to farm, and we're going to try to help you with whatever you happen to choose to do. But like Darren said, each one of them has pros and cons. Well, it was fun talking about corn tasseling on today's show. It's coming up soon. I loved how Wally West said it. Gosh, you start thinking about 30 days, 60 days, 90 days away on some of these things. It is right around the corner, so you got to be prepared. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.